Welcome back to the Arillo podcast. This is the podcast where we get to speak to our friends during lockdown. We get to listen to what they've been up to, learn what they've learned, and hopefully spread a few good stories along the way. My name is Rich, and I'm going to be speaking to firefighter and fitness fanatic Mark Perrette. And then Keenan's going to come on board, and he's going to speak to Toby Tompkins, master colorist at Cheat. Enjoy. Mark Perrette, firefighter, live up north, live in South Yorkshire. Do a bit of running, a bit of cycling, into outdoors, kind of do quite a lot of exploring. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of in perfect place, really. Peak District on my doorstep. Yeah, I've seen that you've been doing like a fair bit of running. Is that like just a normal amount you're normally doing? Or have you like increased that bit? Uh, no, I've definitely increased it. Like for me, it's more like mindfulness why I run. I try, try my hardest to kind of forget about the pace and the timings and stuff like that. And uh, I really try to slip into getting out of door and just going as long as I want to go as, as I feel comfortable and coming home when I've kind of had enough. I'll have a bit of a route uh, in mind, but I think just having the extra time, it's just giving me more opportunity to explore mm. um, where I live. I think that's definitely something I've took away from it is it's unbelievable, like the amount of different places there is just on your doorstep, you know, different trails, different national park that you can get into relatively easy. Yeah, and just, just like different monuments that are just scattered around your different villages. And Yeah, definitely. I found that like, I, didn't, I don't know, particularly live in the countryside, but I live in York, so it's like, it's fairly yeah. like, countryside anyway. I live about an hour's walk out of the city centre. And to me, it's just like a big rural area, you know, like loads of houses and that. Because like, I've just been walking loads just to try and get out of the house. I found that there's like a shit ton of woods, a really big pond with like huge wildlife areas around it. There must be like three or four different like hob like wrecks around the like around the corner, like literally like less than a k away. And I've never even like done it, but like I was just like bored. Obviously, like right, I'll go for a walk, and I looked on Google Maps, just basically like found the green bit. Yeah, there. and it's just like a class like nature reserve. And I was like, how was that like on my doorstep? <laughs> That's the strangest thing I think is just that there's been all these places. I know a lot and it boils down to the fact that we just, everyone lives like such busy lives. We haven't got time to think, oh, I'll just spend, you know, an hour just exploring what's on my doorstep. Like most people, if they're doing fitness, it's like, you know, you've got a window, half an hour, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you get, you've got that window and you've got to use it and you've got to use it productively. You know, you can't be going somewhere and thinking this isn't a route, I've got to come home or whatever, whereas this time because there's nothing else to do it's like the perfect opportunity to think well I'll get out and find these routes what I hadn't done before and like now I know that I'll carry on doing these routes forever you know um which is like you know it's, it's class because if it had not been for this situation I might have never done it I might have always ventured to places what I know are decent routes and I know that um are well trodden and I've been there before and done them yeah yeah for sure for sure so like how is um how has this affected you? Like, obviously, you said like you're still working and stuff, but what's the fire brigade been like during like lockdown and the pandemic? Have you done anything different? Or yeah, so it's a real weird time, and I think you've got to be so flexible with everything because we're quite we are a bit of a nation of like you want someone to give you an answer instantly, and especially if it's like a manager or a senior manager, you expect them to know how to deal with everything, and if they don't you question why they're getting paid, what they're getting paid kind of thing. And because it's so like unprecedented, you know, we're kind of, we're having to all chip in and kind of brainwave ideas of doing things and, and accept that there's going to be certain things that are going to change like randomly and periodically through through week, through day. Um, so you've just got to be so flexible. For us, it's more like, we obviously do quite a lot of work with community so we interact with community quite a lot and obviously all that, all that's stopped. 
So now, like, nobody comes on station except the crews that are coming on. And even us, the kind of the crews that are changing over, we kind of go in one room while they go in another, then they leave and we come on just oh, really? to stop all this, yeah, kind of cross-contamination. And it's, it's, it's hard, mate, because the nature of our job, we work so closely, like, in incidents, just riding on back of a fire engine. You sat so close to each other, so... We're taking like measures to kind of distance ourselves as best we can. The obviously the cleaning side of it has just gone through roof. So like you know we're we're a, more, a lot more like aware. Of I just imagine like an absolute bunch of like filthy lads before this and now just like oh. think sparkling clean. Mate, there's some people I don't think they've ever washed their hands before. Like <laughs> I, mean, I, I, well, I spoke to my dad earlier, and my dad has like constantly dirty hands, so he works. Um, he works in, in like steelworks and he's, his hands just look dirty constantly. Even when they're clean, they've just like got grime in them, mate. Like <laughs> he showed me, I like video called him and he put his hands up, mate. And his hands looked like perfect. I've never ever seen him before like that. And he's like, yeah, I've never washed my hands as much. I've never like seen him <laughs> clean. And <laughs> I was just laughing my head off. <laughs> Very golly. So how come you, like, I know you did a bit of driving for the ambulance and that. Like, how did that come about? Initially, when, when it all kicked off, um, the ambulance service just got really, really stretched, um, like nationally. But in Yorkshire itself, yeah, they were, they were really stretched. So there were people getting drafted in from other areas of, of NHS to come and assist them. And at this point as well, we were in a weird position as a fire service where we'd not really got involved because it's not our job, you know, you know to a certain extent. like. Yeah. Pretty much everyone who joins these kind of jobs, mate, join because it sounds cheesy, but you want to help people. That is what you join the job for. And I can remember just feeling in such a weird position where I felt like I should be doing more. I was still just going into work. I was just doing my normal job. And yeah, then they just, it kind of came out locally. Um, They were asking for volunteers that want to help transporting COVID patients. And straight away, like, you know, I I live on my own. So I, I felt morally like going to be less risk to other people and, and stuff like that so yeah so I volunteered and I went away went with Yorkshire Ambulance Service did a, a couple of weeks training and then I spent about four weeks with them guys which were you know it were, it were pretty cool like it was good insight mm. uh, we were teamed up with the air ambulance crews which yeah it's pretty cool we kind of work with them quite closely anyway for like a lot of road traffic incidents and stuff like that the air ambulance crews Kind of yeah, get turned cool. out to that quite a lot, but yeah, so it was just good, it was just good to make a decent relationship with them. But now, now I'm back at, uh, at the fire station. Like yeah. now, things have calmed down a little bit. I found that uh, like because my my girlfriend used to be a paramedic, and um, she's got like a bunch of paramedic mates. Between like the police, the paramedics, the firefighters, there all seems to be like a sort of like unwritten camaraderie between you all like the police here like just went down to the a and e and they were just like they all lined up and they all just set the sirens off it's like one big like thank you to the nhs and the ambulance guy and like just there's just like loads of stories like that where like there's a few paramedics just been like oh like the police just came in just like bunch of coffees just handed them all out stuff like that it's like everyone's like helping each other and just chipping in it's like such a good like yeah mate I think it instills that bit of faith in like humanity here as well, that people are actually good. There's some really good people out there. Like, and it's not just public sector workers. I think just out when I was driving ambulances, you were just driving out road and people would just stop and be clapping like the whole way while you, you know, and it, it was like, sometimes like I felt a bit welled up, you know, you thought, Jesus, like 
I'm, I'm just doing what I think anyone would do, you know, in my position. But just to see that appreciation from people. And, and luckily, you know I me, mean, the fire service has got quite a good reputation and we've, and we've got that quite good bond with public where they kind of get quite a lot of respect from them for all this. So it's just good. I think it's finally good just to see a bit more recognition for NHS because I think they get a lot of stake because I think most of the time people associate NHS with like, you know, I can't get a doctor's appointment. I can't get this operation. I can't get this. You yeah. know, and it's normally quite negative. So I think it's just good for once just to see them get something that's really positive. Yeah, for sure. It, sometimes it can come across, especially because like the hours are long and the sh- it's all shift work. It'd be like yeah. quite unthankful work. Whereas now it's like the most amount of thanks is coming your way. Like, yeah, and and you you know one thing is you hope that people don't forget that this carries on for you know for a long time and people remember like what they've done and what they've sacrificed for majority of country. Mm. Like, like I said, I wouldn't even just say like locally as emergency service responders. I'd say like nationally yeah people have been unreal like it's quite quite emotional to like think about it to think like i say but for me i think it's just instilled a bit more faith in in people in just how generous they are and our our like good spirited people actually are and how people come together it's like it's quite sad that sometimes it takes summer like an epidemic that's the basically yeah yeah to to bring everyone together and make everyone realize what's important yeah for sure well um what was it like Driving the ambulance and stuff, like, did, did you, because if you've only done it for a short time, is that because they just didn't need you after a while? Like, is everything kind of better from there? Yeah. So obviously, even the fire services, we've had quite a lot, I think it's something like 10, 15% nationally that have had to self-isolate, either through the partners being, oh, uh, you know, having certain medical problems or just them having certain conditions hmm. uh, so on numbers we're already like reduced so nationally we've been stretched as well when they came asking for volunteers we could only obviously release a certain amount of people and luckily you know in Yorkshire it never got as bad as what they kind of predicted so you know they had this plan in place for like worst case scenario and personally like being involved in it mate I was getting ready for like I thought it was going to be like apocalyptic it felt <laughs> yeah. horrendous well, it, had, it had that vibe didn't it like all the nightmare yeah, yeah. places and like yeah, it felt like 28 days later. And mate, when I saw the Nightingale Hospital, it literally knocked my socks off. The closest thing I put to it was in Afghanistan, like the hospital in Bastion was like incredible. Like I've never seen anything like it. Say you were in the middle of a war zone in a desert, this was a fully functional hospital. And then when I walked into Nightingale, I just got the exact same feeling. When I walked in and I saw all these bed spaces and it was, you know, it was so clean, so perfect that he kind of knocked me back a bit. Where I thought, Jesus, this is serious. This isn't like some. This isn't a flu that's going to flush through in a couple of weeks, and you know, nobody like bird flu, swine flu, where you just kind of go, oh, it didn't really affect us. Like when I saw it, it was yeah, a bit surreal, and it kind of knocked you back a bit. Um, yeah, so it, it never got as bad as what they predicted. Luckily, you know. We're still not over it by any chance, but um, yeah, so the, the first chance they could kind of release us and, and to take a bit more pressure off the fire service, we went back. So we're still on like a, a recall to duty. Um, right, yeah. I think it's like a seven day notice that we're on. So if, if someone does kick off or if they do need us, we've kind of got a seven days where they can put a notice in with our fire brigade and then we'll get released back to the uh, ambulance service. Fucking hell. Yes. Yeah, Mental, isn't it? Like, shit like that. 
Yeah, and, and, and as well, mate, I'd not really been exposed to it. You know, even when I was in Brigade, it's like, you know, we'd probably get a bit more intel or a bit more information than some, but you're not really being exposed to it. So it wore a massive shock when I went on to uh, ambulance. And then you're getting these, you know, these high up like medical doctors and stuff coming and giving this information. And, and then you, like I say, seeing Nightingale, seeing the people that they drafted in from all over county to, to help them. You suddenly like thought, God, this is real. It's not like someone that I've just seen a bit on TV and you're mm. kind of probably not as normal. Where is it? Yeah. Is it the Nightingale up in Harrogate? Yeah, so it's Harrogate, yeah. What's it in? What have they transformed? So they had like a, an, ex, an exhibition centre there. Right. I don't know if you've been to it. I think so. Um, yeah, so they, they just converted that. But, mate, when I were going, I were expecting some like retrofitted, you know, it's just like kind of slung a few beds in. Yeah, like town hall type thing, yeah. Oh, uh, mate, I think they said they spent 60 million on this. Or the budget was 60 million what they had to spend. And they said that they were going to be there or, or of it. So you can imagine, mate, they made an hospital inside it. Like, I've never seen anything like it. He's back next to uh, Town Hall because yeah. they put the gas cylinders, the massive propane gas cylinders, on front of um, Town Hall and they've put this massive concrete pad. So you can imagine it's like a listed building and they've just gone and built this concrete pad and they're just like, well, we don't care. Like, <laughs> Mate, well, madness. Because you were just, it would like seeing things like that where you were suddenly going, hold on a minute, these are listed buildings. You, you know, you probably couldn't even put a, a cone there. Yeah. Told you what allowed to yeah, break. Yeah, you get told it. off and put a picture up. Yeah, and then you had these big concrete wagons just pouring concrete on front of it, and we were like, "Yeah, this is serious. Like, this is you know, they're not messing about." Mate, it's mind blowing to think that they built five in them around the country as well. Yeah. I suppose it is. It's great that we haven't really used them. Like, that's that's amazing. Isn't it like <laughs> that's that's the bonus, mate. And it is that the hospitals have been able to cope with what's been thrown at them, which is like it's still sad that so many people. Um, are dying from it but the fact that we've not been overrun as a country in dealing with it is a bonus yeah big time so i saw that you did that marathon around the fire station the other day yeah that uh was that to raise money yeah so josh patterson like i've met him a couple of times and he, he'd come up with uh, the idea of running five marathons in five days uh, for charity uh, okay. But he was doing it around a 14-foot patio in his back garden. Um, yeah, which is just bonkers, man. Yeah, he contacted me and he just said he was asking a few people to uh, to get involved. And, and you could run whatever you wanted. You know, he said you could have done a 5K or whatever. And it was just to spread the word of what you were doing and to help raise more money and more awareness around the charity. Where I live, I live in like, I've got courtyards. I didn't even have a back garden. So I thought, well, the next best thing is I, I, I'm still going into work. So I'll ask work, see if I can do it around the fire station. Yeah, and like luckily they said, yeah, so I, I managed to, to run a marathon around fire station. Yeah, that was quality. Like GPS, like red marker thing, or just oh, like one big red blob. Mate, it were a good idea. I, I was doing it, and like the first probably 10K were just flying by, and I thought, oh, this is easy. Like, I'm just going to fly through this. I'm not even bored or out yet. Like, I'm kind of enjoying it a little bit. And then uh, from there to like 21K to the half marathon, just felt like I'd been running for about three days. <laughs> and, uh, and then after that, like mentally, it was just so tough, that side of it. So you like take your hat off to anyone that's doing these challenges. And like I said, mine were 0.3 or a kilometre, the distance to do one lap. So mine were relatively big <laughs> in comparison to people that are doing it up and down the house stairs and around the apartments and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, people on balconies and things. No. Yeah. Oh, mate, people are bonkers, aren't they? And, but it, it, it was good, mate. It was good. Good little challenge. And, and what, what was the charity? What was the money raised for? Calm. Oh, calm. Nice. Just like a little bit into it. Obviously, anyone that suffers like with their own mental health and stuff like that, there's been a massive increase in calls and people like asking for help, asking for support. Mm. So the people that work for the charities uh, are obviously reduced just because of what's going off. Uh, so they're obviously like stretched at max so yeah we're just to raise more awareness around the charity and obviously give them some funds to help them deal with everything what they're dealing with at the minute and uh, i don't know about you but I, i'm i'm relatively comfortable in in like my own company but then i don't know when the the opportunity to be able to see someone that's like you kind of want it even more don't you mm. yeah um, I, I found myself like my neighbors must think i'm weird but like, every time <laughs> i see them like walk out the front like how did I do something? I just like walk out and I'm like, here I am. How are you doing? <laughs> Lou, what are you up to? <laughs> Talk to me something. Literally today, like he was putting the bins out and I was like, fuck, I've got to put my bins out as well. And then I had to make chat to him. <laughs> yeah, mate, I know. Like I said, I, I feel proper lucky, mate, that I still get to work, honestly, because like it just keeps a bit of routine and a bit of everything going, you know, so like you don't really fall into them bad habits of getting up late, going to bed late, you know, I've got a job, I get paid, you know what I mean? Like you say, you feel so sorry for some people. Like, they must have so much pressure put on them. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, almost like a lack of freedom. But the only thing you actually are allowed to do is go out for a walk or go out for a run. Yeah. Uh, like, I think that's made a lot of people start running. Like, I get, like, I used to have Strava, but I don't have it anymore because I don't really like running. But um, I still have, like, I've always still got the account. So I get an email every time one of my friends gets Strava. And I can't believe how many emails we get, which is like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Joey's just joined Strava. Ah, oh, Ted's just joined Strava. You're <laughs> just like, here they are. Everyone, uh, it's like class to see it, I think. Just everyone getting out and just doing bits, like walking, running, cycling, whatever they want to do. Mm. You just think, I think it has just made people realize as well, like, you know, you haven't got to go in a gym, you haven't got to have a PT, you haven't got to have all these things. Like, the the luxury and the everything else is, you know what I mean? People are managing fine to do all these workouts at home and it's just going to be interesting to see afterwards what people actually go back to and what people decide that they don't need a gym membership or they don't need certain things, you know. Mm. But if we're, if we're talking about Strava, mate, I, I've never had Strava and I've been like tempted so many times because it's just obviously like all my mates have got it that are into stuff like that. But it kind of goes against what, what I kind of do it for. Because um, I feel like Strava, it turns into a competition, and mm. people focus more on like segments and like getting the fastest this and the pace on that. And anyone that talks to me about it and asks about it, I just like people that are getting into running and just starting. Or amount of people that ask me like, how do I increase my pace? How do I do this? How do I run for longer? And I'm like, first thing you need to do is stop thinking about stop thinking about your pace, stop thinking about your distance go outside and find a way to enjoy running. If you can enjoy running, then it isn't an issue. You'll get faster, you'll get stronger, you'll get yeah. you know, quicker. Like people say, uh, I want to run more, but I hate it. And it's like, well, why do you want to run more than if you hate it? Like, why would you want to do that? And the thing is, is I said to them, everyone you need to either find something that you do enjoy doing or find a way to enjoy running. Like stuff like Strava and that are obviously amazing tools, but they put so much pressure on people to, to run to a certain distances, certain paces and stuff like that. Whereas to me, the focus for us, mere mortals that are not competing and doing things like that, you know, 
the focus should be on enjoying it. So yeah. for me, when I run places that are nice and that I can just lift my head up and just take it all in, that's what running to me is about. Like, yeah, it's not about racing, it's about running. Yeah, I've always said, luckily, I can do the races and I don't enjoy them. Even after I've done them, like, you get a sense of achievement that you've kind of seen what level you're at. But when it comes to it, it's like you just your head down and you're just trying to go as fast as you can and you just, you know, you're just not enjoying it. Like we did, did it when I went in Azores and when Esme couldn't run anymore, I said, oh, I might race a couple of them. And the two days were probably the least enjoyable. Um, well, the ones just gunned it, yeah. Yeah. Like, I still, you know what I mean? It was still unbelievable. Like, it's still class, but I enjoyed it much more when I could turn around to my mate and talk to, talk to her and, and we could, you know, we could take it in together. Like, we could share the experience. But when it came to racing, you just go into competitive mode. It's just head down, trying to get as far as you can, as fast as you can. And it kind of takes that bitter enjoyment away from it. And, and that's, like, like that's what I'd advise to anyone who's, who's just started up running now or, or getting into it is just, try to steer away from stuff like Strava and or yeah. try not to focus on stuff like that as much. Like just stay in your own lane and just enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, big time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great advice, like it's fair. My girlfriend does CrossFit and um, I try to do it a bit, but um, I just, I'm not a big fan of like lifting as heavy as I can as fast as I can. And uh, there'll be some CrossFitters that'll be like, that's not the point or something. But, um, yeah. yeah, I just, I just don't, I don't find enjoyment in being absolutely beasted like every time I do it. Like, you get to take your top off an I five, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> another, another reason why I don't want to do it. Uh, but like, uh, but I, I like enjoy going to the gym and just being like headphones in, and just like zoning, yeah. and just like I just do it and get it done and enjoy it, and then take it, take my time, or or like not take my time, no matter what it is. But yeah, there's definitely there's definitely those two elements in it. It's like ultra competitive people, and then there's like people who just do it because like I reckon some like there's a few of my friends they do it like almost as like a mental like you know like a mental health like, yeah it's like meditative to just like go and just like be in a well I mean that's 100% I think what it is for me like working out it's like the endorphins I think it's the release of the endorphins that you get after the like that's what I enjoy so like it is kind of meditative so like for me running I do like running on my own I do like cycling on my own and and sometimes I'll go out and I can do an hour and come back and I think I've literally just switched off for like an hour. You know, I found a way to just zone out and, and it is kind of meditative in, in that sense. But but then like you said, some people, it's the competitive side of it that they enjoy. So they enjoy pushing everything to the limit and, and, and competing with people and stuff like that. And they need to be around people. Like and, and gyms are like massively social places now. Like I converted my garage probably six years ago. So I had a gym membership for six, seven years. Mm. Um, like the gym were never that that to me so I, I, it sounds bad but I was kind of a bit antisocial when I went in gym I wanted to go in get it done and get home uh, whereas a lot of my friends go because it's like they've got a circle of friends there that you know they mix with them they hang out with them after they go for coffees they, you know they go on nights out together and, and to them it's not just a gym it's it's the social side of it so yeah I, so yeah, I think people that would normally work in art are probably some people are probably struggling because they ain't got that social aspect of people that push them on to do to do it more yeah big time yeah and that's that's one thing I, I think I reckon gyms are gonna be like one of the last to come back yeah gyms but, and pubs yeah I mean I don't know about what gyms you've been to but like the gym I'm, I was a membership of like it's just so germy <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, gyms are like breeding grounds aren't they for it like like i mean you'd have you'd have to like people would have to wash down every dumbbell 
after using it. I just can't see it happening. No, no. And yeah, it, it, it kind of blows your mind a little bit when you try to think about are they going to reopen things? And I honestly think that there'll be an aspect that we'll never have that normal back again. There's going to be an aspect. Yeah, I think there'll be an aspect of like social distancing that'll probably stay around for a long, long time, you know, or if not forever, you know, certain things I think it's made people realise, you know, like maybe supermarkets, places like that, that hygiene isn't obviously as good as what we always thought it was. Um, yeah, and I think some people obviously as well are like really conscious of it, aren't they? So some people will carry it on where they don't really want people that close to them anymore and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, be a few germaphobes or... It's going to change stuff, mate. Obviously, it's like weird. And um, I'm dying for a public. Yeah, I think... It's weird, isn't it? It's like, I think I'd like, just love to go for like a nice coffee, like somewhere. Just go oh, yeah, like, it's, it's definitely the idea of sitting with your mates yeah. on a table and like having a chat. Which on grand sch- scheme of things, it's like, it sounds so like, you know, third world problem kind of thing, doesn't it? But it's like, I don't know. I think they're the little things, especially while we've had nice weather, you just think, I'd love to just be sat in a beer garden with mates, having a couple <laughs> of drinks, you know? Yeah. Like, it won't be long, mate. The sad thing is, is, like, you soon adjust back to things and you soon forget, like, that's just how we are as humans. We just move on and carry on, don't we? Yeah, that's true. Well, mate, that's, that's, that's pretty much all the questions. Like, just a bit of an asset. But um, last, last thing I was going to say is, um, like, has there been anyone that you've seen? Like, if I, if, if I was thinking about doing this and I thought about you and, like, how you became an ambulance driver for a bit and, did a bit for charity has there, has there been anyone that you've seen on like social media or on the news or like just did in and around that you think has done something pretty pretty spectacular for the for the pandemic nothing that's out of ordinary i think obviously a lot of people like doing a lot of fundraising for nhs and stuff like that like i think there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of good well kind of selflessly like when we were at work the other day and the amount of people that are like small businesses that will ring up and you know they might be like cake businesses or like you know delis and stuff like that and they're like look we're just ringing around all um all key workers like is there anything you want any food like we're delivering it for free like no anything you and you just think man that's like pretty special like fair mm-hmm. enough if you're ringing us up and saying we're delivering like does anyone want it but when they're going what do you want? We'll make it for you. We'll deliver it, you know. And the amount of cakes, mate, we've been eating at work. Well, that's why I've been running every day. <laughs> but, like, everyone just keeps bringing you stuff and you're like, hey, that's enough. No more cakes, please. <laughs> yeah, mate, like, the, my neighbour, two doors down, came around the other day just with a box of cakes. And he's like, oh, I'm just making cakes for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like I said before, mate, I think that's the, like, heartwarming thing we all is, like, in Europe, we don't just revert back to old ways that, like how good we are as a community like people do come together i think it's just the selfless side when people do it and you think there's literally no reward like they haven't got to do it it's like they're not going to be fought any lesser or anything like that and people just do good things you know you know the amount of people that have you know neighbors and stuff like that they've asked me they said they're going to supermarkets all you want and i think it's just the little things like that where you think that's good that like you haven't got to do it and you're doing it just shows that you you're a good person you know you you're just willing to do that bit for someone and i don't think it's got to be people running marathons or doing ridiculous extreme things it's like sometimes the smallest things that kind of go unnoticed and and you kind of take that off to them don't you a little bit and think fair play like you're just going about your your own day and you're doing something decent for people yeah exactly 
Yeah, it, it's just that just being fucking human, isn't it? It's yeah. Nice. And that, mate, there's an element of it where you think, like, maybe we needed something like this, like just to bring everyone back down to earth a little bit. I think we're all getting a bit lost, aren't we? And a bit caught up in everything. And then suddenly this is like as if it's just gone, right, what is actually important to you? You know, your friends, your family, like work, mm. um, stuff like that. They're the things that are actually important. And it's kind of stripped you of them. And like our everything, as much as we want to go to the pub and stuff like that, like the main things you want is them three or four different little things in, in your life that you've got them every day. And we kind of take it for granted, don't you? And it, it's just good, I think, just in that sense. And, and you kind of hope we carry it on a little bit. Mm. Um, I'm sure in like a few months, people will be crying to have quarantine back and be sat at home watching TV. But at the minute, it's like the hardest thing people can do, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It's really like the easiest rules to follow. Um, yeah. Like we've literally, <laughs> it's like been told to sit inside, <laughs> exercise a bit, watch TV and eat. And you're like, I think it's more the fact that we've been told to do it that people struggle with that side of it, don't they? Where, yeah. you know, I I haven't really been watching the news. Like I obviously watched it in like the first few weeks, and then it was just getting depressing. So I haven't watched it for like a good few weeks now. But I did, obviously a bit leaks in every now and then. I know you hear about like the people have been like protesting lockdowns and shit. Like yeah, that. Like, just oh, people are bonkers, aren't they? It's just absolutely nuts, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's like I could understand. If I thought that like there was somebody who was like profiting from this, you know, if I could like if I could see like one person who's just sitting back being like, oh, raking it in, absolutely raking yeah. it. But like then they're not. Like everyone is either fucked or overworked. Like the like the only thing we've got is like you said, like solace and community. And like that's yeah. basically what people are doing. And then you've got other people who are like shouting about it, being like, Oh, we're all being brainwashed. And it's like yeah. to do what like yeah. it's just fucking everybody <laughs> yeah mate it's the thing is it's like it is a surreal time like you know what i mean this is some of the people talk about this mate in years like the will because it's never happened you know even they said even in war things didn't close like pubs were still open and stuff like that there were just like curfews but that's i think the bit you've got to appreciate is like the answers to everything and, and people kind of making it up as they go along to deal with it but yeah that that side of it mate like like you just think god you're just like hard work you see some people and you generally think you know a lot of vulnerable people a lot of elderly mate stuff like that where i just think i feel so sorry for them like mm. you know like they're actually self-isolating you know they've not seen anyone for four weeks or whatever they've you know, they barely leave house. Some of them can't leave house. I feel so sorry for them. And I think they're the ones that are doing so well, that have been so strong through it all because they're just cracking on, aren't they? And, and, and you know what I mean? They've just got to remember that all these people that want to see them are just there waiting, aren't they? And they're going to the first chance they get. Yeah, big like, time. One of the lads at my work, his mum's like late 70s. His dad passed away quite a few years ago, you know, so he's got a real close relationship where she, like, sees him every single day and he's not seen her for, like, four weeks now. And she's on her own in a house, but, you know, he speaks to her on phone. Like, we're so lucky we've got stuff like this. Yeah. That, you know, virtually we can see each other every single day. Yeah, and, and she's, you know, he said he speaks to her and she's, like, so beat and she's, like, you know, she's just so positive and I think it's just some of elderly, mate, are just solid, aren't they? They're, yeah. like, absolutely nails where you think... Fair play to them. Like, I think you could do anything to them and they just 
soldier on them there. Yeah, proper proper stiff upper lip British people. Yeah. Hey, a... Captain Tom. <laughs> yeah, people like that, innit? Like they're the people that like actually run this country and I don't, like the other side of it, mate, as well as you think. Like my mum, my mum's a cleaner, and she's been a cleaner like as long as I can remember. And uh, I just said, you know what? It's like, isn't it weird that these are the people that are keeping it all afloat? You know, people that work in like grocery stores and and supermarkets, and the key workers, the teachers, like all these people are, are what actually make the country run, aren't they? When it comes down to it, yeah, and, yeah, uh, big time. Like yeah. the people who put that, like put the hard graft hours in. Yeah, ones that like are impo- like in essence are like really important. Um, yeah, it's just strange that when it actually comes down to it, they're the ones that are actually doing it all for, for everyone. And yeah. so I was, I was speaking to someone about this, and uh, they were a teacher. I think they're like an art teacher, and they were like, "Isn't it funny how like art in schools and music in schools and like even like sport in schools is like it's always it's purpose, yeah. down the ring, like not yeah. like not an important thing, maybe optional." Like to some people, and yet in lockdown, what has everyone been encouraged to do? Like yeah. paint, cook, like create, like create, like take pictures, make yeah, yeah. you know, do all sorts of things, like play quizzes, like all these things that are like really creative. Ultimately, like the arts, yeah, they're the things that like get complete. They're the ones that keep us sane, but they're not the things that like we should be. Oh man, right, you're exactly right, aren't you? Like it's strange, you know, that they're not. They're not the things that are focused on or that people have put any real like pressure to do well in. But yeah, for his own well-being, like they're all the things that you, that you look at to, to sort your heart to a certain degree. Big time. Yeah, big time. Yeah. But I, I think that's what this has done for people. Like I think it's obviously any kind of fractures within your mindset or your, your well-being, it's exposed them a little bit. It has done for me. Like There's definitely certain areas uh, in my life where I will kind of papering over it just like i think just not having that connection with other people yeah it's just kind of exposed like little fractures where you think god i'll kind of just like burying that in there and this is like made me think made me have to deal with it or have to have to look at it a bit more yeah yeah um, big point like yeah i mean like i i know some people haven't really had like, any issues with like mental health and then this is this has really kicked some things up for them like even, yeah. even me personally i was like i had a few days where i was just like fuck like so depressed oh mate mate we've all got mental health haven't we it's like so we've all got to look after it right and i think even more so in like times like this um you've got you definitely got to look after it and like i said i was saying it to one of my friends uh, the other day and i, I did a, a bit of a post about it and something from when i were at military is i always you get taught to make your bed that's like first thing in the morning you know your bed's pristine yeah, and, and it was something that I kind of did it before I went in military, and I've, I, I always do it now. The, I get up out of bed, and one of the first things I do is I, I make my bed. Um, and I always said to like my mates, it's like I think it's so important just to like kickstart your day. So you've already done one thing in your day that's positive that you can, you know, you can sit back and go, I've achieved this already. So it's yeah. like. It's kind of how you set things in motion for your day and how you set your mindset up. If you're ever late for anything, the rest of the day, you're late. Like, even though you're not, I don't know if you feel like that, but if I'm late for work, all day I'm late, I'm chasing all day, even though I'm not, I'm on to, like, I'm, I'm caught back up. But yet, I've just got this mindset where it's like, I'm yeah, late all the time. Shit, yeah. Well, that's why it's important just to do something as, as 
simple as that. It's just make your bed. It's like one thing. It's like got you into a mindset already of uh, uh, doing something positive and, and achieving things. And yeah, uh, yeah and it's, it's just weird. Like, I, like for anyone, I'd say like anything like for like your mental health or all that, or just to get you motivated for day, just get up and, you know, have a coffee, whatever you want to do, but go and make your bed and just, and that like kicks the kickstarts and gets you going. I think people have definitely took steps, what they wouldn't have necessarily done to look after the well-being a bit better and, and look after themselves a bit better. It'd be interesting to see like how many pregnancies is and how many divorces there is. Like, man, <laughs> I think there's going to be like a massive baby boom in that. <laughs> there's going to be like a, people getting divorced left, right, and centre. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah, like, but I actually. I saw this the other day, and it's not really got. Like, it could have happened in, in out of quarantine as well. But we were, we were driving down the street, and I saw like a, a car pull up on the other side of the road, and a kid just got like a, a, a not a kid, like he's probably like eighteen or something, got out, and he just like did that in his hand and started crying. And I was yeah. like, "Oh fuck, is he all right?" And then I saw the girl in the car, and she just drove off. I was like, oh, "That's definitely a quarantine breakup." Right oh man. That's pretty harsh, though, isn't it? To go just get out. It was heartbreaking to see just this guy just walking like that. It was like yeah. sobbing in his hand. Whatever, like. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, mate. Well, that's, that's it all done. That's sound. Probably. Yeah, mate, it's been a pleasure speaking. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Uh, well, mate, do you want to start by saying who you are and I suppose what you do? Yeah, so I'm Toby Tompkins. I'm a, I'm a colourist and I run a post-production company in East London called Cheat, where we specialise in colour grading, but we also do online and finishing as well. We're one of the few companies that is known for colour in long form and short form. And we're also one of the few companies that specialises in colour. So what have you actually been doing to keep yourself busy then? What's... I suppose what's been what's changed and what you're doing now to keep yourself busy. Yeah, well, I've I've actually been fairly lucky during this period. Um, we we started a job with Netflix, a, a nature series before the the pandemic, and ever since I got back from Thailand on the 17th of March, which was quite a time to come back as a as a business owner, uh, we yeah we moved all the staff to work from home remotely um, before we needed to just to sort of prioritize the safety of our staff and then I've basically been working on that six days a week since and we're finishing this week so I've kind of been busy working on this there's been a few jobs in and out of cheat with the other colorists um, but myself personally I've been juggling getting this show out the door and also you know planning for um, the next phases of, of the pandemic and, and what that means for our business. And I suppose, like, has this opened up chances to innovate or change the sector, I suppose? Have you, have you done anything to innovate or seen any change? Um, well, we're, we're, we're fairly used to remote working, um, especially with grading at Cheat. We, we work with clients from around the world regularly. Um, so the technology and the knowledge side of it was already there. It was just a case of adapting it for working from home um, and purchasing a little bit more you know, equipment, software licenses. All of our colorists can provide a, a live suite, from, a, a, live, sorry, a live feed from their grading suite um, in, in their home setups. Um, so that's something that we, you know, the tech side of thing we were, we were prepared for with, with production, the assistants and the colorists all being physically separate and not having that sort of easy exchange of being able to walk into a room. That's something that we needed to adapt to. 
Um, in terms of technology and sort of development of things, um, we've definitely adapted our practices to make sure that every session can be as, as fast and real time as possible. But no, no major innovation was really necessary for us. But we are hoping to, to sort of innovate going forward, seeing what we can what we can take from this as a learning exercise, you know, when things go back to normal in a, in a year or 18 months time, you know, it, I, I kind of want to look at working from home for the various members of staff, look at things like flexi time that I think we're inevitably going to have to introduce to make sure that, that, you know, if people do need to take public transport to get to work, that they're not working normal hours. So there's, there's things like that, that I think every business can learn from and, I mean, it's kind of adapt or die, really, I think. And I think it's going to be very competitive when we reopen. So I think if you don't, if you don't shine above your competitors, I think you're really going to struggle because even though there's going to be a big surge of work, you know, when, when production starts shooting again, you know, maybe as soon as, as Wednesday, depending on, you know, the, the specifics of the government advice this evening, um, you know, there will be a surge. After that surge is over... And then, you know, the, the, the amount of work, the volume of work returns to normal, or probably slightly less than normal. Uh, maybe not the advertising industry, but who knows at this point? It's, you know, this is, a, this is much worse than the 2008 financial crisis and it shouldn't be taken too lightly. After that point, I think if you don't, if you don't stand out from your competitors, I think, I think you're at real, real risk. And by standing out, do you just mean like you've adapted new ways of working that mean that it's more efficient for the client or I suppose? Yeah, all, I think all of that stuff and then just the same basic things as usual, the quality of the work, um, awards, the people, the team, the environment, the kind of atmosphere that you have as a business. It's really just about making sure that you're doing everything that you can. You know, if businesses are too slow to change or, or too lazy in their approach, I think they're going to suffer. And what, what do you think your new normal is going to look like? You know, like I suppose this sort of the big question is what, what are you going to take away from what, what we've done is like a big, big thing for you. I think, the big, I think the big thing will be working from home, how well the teams worked remotely and not being sort of physically together. You know, I, I was having concerns about moving, moving the MCR room to a different floor in the building because they'd be further away from everyone you know, maybe I should be less worried about that. I mean, I think the way of doing business will, will probably change. I think, you know, I don't think we'll, we'll be seeing attended grades. I don't think we'll be seeing clients coming in for the next at least three months, I, I'd assume. And I mean, there'll always be some people. And, you know, I, I want to make sure that we plan to accommodate that in a safe way when we can, actually. I suppose, yeah, so a lot of this from a, a business owner perspective is is obviously quite a lot of ownership on you is, is there other people in the business that you found have really flourished or come into their own like yeah yeah i mean i, I i've got a new coo frida nielsen uh, that joined me earlier this year she's been extremely supportive throughout this and, and meant that i can i can focus on this on this job a little bit and some of the bigger picture things because she's extremely experienced in, in HR and operations. So she's, she's been, you know, doing the detailed work on our COVID response, our plan, um, you know, the message to staff, all of those things. And without her, I don't know, I don't know if, if I could have, you know, really got this far so far. And then obviously my head of production, Louise, has been working extremely hard with a reduced team. And yeah, all the assistants, really everyone, every member of staff has kind of really shone through 
um, at this point with their support and their understanding. Yeah, it's been, it's, I've, I've been really sort of humbled by it. And I suppose, I, what, do you think the industry as a whole was ready for it as much as you guys sort of were with the remote working or the, the going away? Uh, in post, not so much, but they got ready very quickly. You know, I'd say we only had about a two-week lead on having sort of high-end at-home grading suites compared to, you know, the, the big boys. Yeah, I don't think we've had that much of an advantage with that. They've adapted by now. I think everyone has to, to being able to grade to some extent from home. I don't think they've all done it well. And I think, I think there are a few dodgy setups out there that might not be the, the best place um, to critically assess uh, images. I think the thing, I think it's, we were experienced in doing that and, you know, to, to a large extent, so the engineering teams of these big companies. But during a crisis when you've got colorists setting up equipment, I think we've shown that without the support of an engineering department, we've, we've managed to pull this off. We know the gear that we use every day. Do you reckon your size has, has sort of been a, a blessing or a curse in comparison to the rest of the industry? I don't know. I've got nothing to compare it to, but I, I, it could be. It could be a blessing. Um, it means we can be more agile, and it, it it should be a blessing. And we should take advantage of that when we start planning how we're going to stand out, because we can. We are nimble. We're small. We can change. We can do things that would take months or years for a larger corporation to do. I think we we need to be thinking about how we can use that to our advantage. We're working on a lot of things at the moment: a, a rebrand, a new website, all those sort of smaller things. Um, and I'm still sort of trying to think of that sort of magic bullet as to how we can, you know, what, what we can do because we're small to, to provide something different. And I'm not quite ready to share what that is yet. <laughs> I'm excited. And I suppose that how personally have you, have you been keeping yourself busy? Like, because um, I, I imagine like you've been on this whole business journey, like cheat is, is your baby in essence. And it's sort of gone from, okay, we're thinking about expanding and growing to, okay, how am I personally, like you, going to be dealing with this going forward? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's gone, from, it's gone from growth to survival very quickly. Um, in a way, it's, it kind of gives you a bit of drive um, for me personally. It's been a, you know, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a rocket up the arse sort of thing to, to make sure that we are doing everything that we can so that we can not only survive this, but come out, come out stronger and, and maybe gain an edge over some of our competitors. It's been great doing this, this Netflix show. Um, and it's been, you know, the main source of revenue for the company for the last six weeks. Um, and I'm, I'm eternally grateful for it. But I've, I've found it hard personally to juggle the, the sort of the, the headspace of that business planning while being creative for, for 10 hours a day because we, we, I'm grading live with the, with the director, uh, who's also the DOP, Jonathan Jones from Ember Films. And he's got a live feed of what I'm doing. So it's, it's like running a client attended session for 10 or 12 hours a day. We're, we're, we're doing long days on this. And he's, you know, he's, he's continuously on the phone with me and they're long days. And I haven't, I haven't had the headspace that I really needed to, to process everything. Uh, so that's been a bit of a challenge and I haven't been able to go outside as much as I would have liked to. Plus, when I'm grading, I'm in a dark room. So I've got full blackout blinds on the windows. So I'm literally just like in the dark all day long. 
and the world, you know, the coronavirus pandemic is sort of passing by outside and I'm, I'm in a dark hole grading away. And in the evenings, I'll just lay in bed awake, you know, thinking about the business. So, yeah, it's been tough, I, I think, is the short answer to that question. Yeah. Have you managed to maintain any sort of culture or have you really just been like, let's lock it down and get things done? Or have you... Um, yeah, I, I, it's something that's very important to me, but I have... I feel like I've neglected it because I've been so busy. Yeah, it's, it's one of my biggest failures, I think, in this period is, is not enforcing that team spirit and that team morale. Um, I think that's probably been my, my weakest point in the last six weeks. <laughs> I, I, you know, that, that's something that I'm always trying harder to work on. Um, but Freed has been a great supporter in that. W- without me present and there and, and talking to staff maybe as much as I should, Frida has been. Um, so she's, you know, she's, she's being part of the glue that's keeping cheek together. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it is just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Like when I've never been good from working from home, like full stop, even when it was optional, I never did it. And also there's not that like release date of like uh, that release time of being, okay, it's past six o'clock now. Like I'm going to leave. No, it's tough. And like my, my, my sofa is, is literally just out of camera there. And then, so I've, I've just got this in the, in the living room, in the lounge. My TV's there. Like, I, can't, I can't really relax in this room anymore. <laughs> um, so, like, it's just, yeah, it's mad. It's something quite, I don't know, you feel like, you feel like it's a necessary thing to do, you know. It's like we can't, we can't complain that much compared to the war and, like, you know, the, all the VE Day celebrations and Captain Tom and all the volunteers and the key workers and the NHS, you know, they're, they're all putting their lives on the line. You get that kind of guilt about feeling down, don't you? Inside of that, everyone's feelings, you know, matters. And if you are feeling like that, then, you know, it's just as important as, as anyone else's really. Yeah, for sure, for sure.